Hello and welcome to the Synergen Leadership Podcast. My name's Julian Carls, CEO of Synergen Group. And in today's episode, I speak with Andrew Ford, who is the founder and CEO of an organization called Social Star, which works with entrepreneurs and leaders in building their personal brand. And I think this interview is particularly interesting for a couple of reasons. Firstly, Andrew shares some of his uh, the background and, and how he found himself in his role and current position. He's got quite an interesting story to tell there. And, and secondly, we really take this idea of leadership as being around influence and focusing in on making sure that the people who report to you are actually in the right roles and the, the success that comes when you do that. So happy listening. Once again, we'd love to uh, hear what you think. So feel free to go to iTunes or Stitcher and leave us a review. And we'll see you on the other side. Welcome to the Synergen Leadership Podcast with Julian Carl. Julian speaks with leaders from around Australia to bring you their leadership story and share their insights about being a leader. To further help you build your leadership capability, Julian shares his own insights about leadership and the tools and techniques he uses as a leader. Well, welcome, Andrew, to the Synergen Leadership Podcast. Very happy to have you here and uh, appreciate you taking the time so people can have a bit of a sense about what it is that uh, you do and who you are. Just take a moment and share where you are right now. Sure, sure, sure. So, um, Andrew Ford, people call me the attractionist when... uh, when I tell them to, <laughs> that's kind of our core methodology. But I, I run a business called Social Star, and we do personal brand management. So what that means is that um, you know we believe that everyone you know who can be found online is running businesses or even in corporations. Um, they have a need to manage their personal brand online. So we do that for them. We help them understand what your brand is, build it in tech, you know, LinkedIn websites, those sorts of things. Uh, and then we help them leverage that for commercial gain. So they might want to get a better job, they might want to start a business, they might want to grow their business with clients. We believe that that's a far more effective way than doing, say, digital marketing. Got an interesting fact about Social Star that uh, people might not know. No, really. No. no, yes, we do. <laughs> of course we do. Of course we do. So um, Social Star uh, actually started. From um, I did it two years part time before I went full time. So, so people, side hustle. Side hustle, yeah. People think I just went out and suddenly started this business, but the side hustle happened, and I was running an event for Census, and this was my ridiculously good corporate job at the time when I used to get to run parties. So, and I ran parties because we were in the early early stages of social media. We were doing social media events basically to promote one of our products. Um, anyway, so there's all these celebrities in this hotel um, in Pran, we're in the penthouse, launching a DJ. Kid you not, this was my life back then. And one of the, the celebrities at the time comes and said, Andrew, you know about all this digital stuff. Um, you Google my name and all this bad stuff comes up. And I'm like, oh, like what? So we look at it and it's like, you know, picture of him drunk in the gutter, you know, <laughs> how my dad left his job because, you know, I was a fuck up and, you know, all these sorts of things. So he's like, what can you do about it? And I said, look, you can't remove the Herald Sun news stories because they're stuck in SEO. They're not going to remove them. However, if you are smart with the way you do your own personal marketing, you can add stuff to the top of the bucket and push that down to page two where they hide the dead bodies. And we went about and did that process of firstly understanding what it wanted to be known for. 
you know, it's got to be credible. Can't just make up stuff. It's got to be real. But he was actually a really you know, great guy. He had depression. Um, you know, he, had, he was doing all these amazing businesses and working with Beyond Blue, but no one knew it. You know, he just wasn't telling anyone. So it's all fantastic to have all this great content. But if no one actually knows, then it's not real to those people. And that sets your brand perception. So we spend, spend a whole bunch of time. A couple of years later, you look at his profile and he's an entrepreneur and he gives back to community and, he, and he's successful. Um, but it took a while to re- reframe that. Um, but it really made me think, wow, there's this, there's this need now because he can be found. It was 10 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then people just kept asking me for advice. People heard about it, you know, got referrals. So, so in 18 months that we went, it was just with a mate of mine from work, I reckon we made about 80 grand, um, worked with celebrities and famous people mainly because um, it was cool and fun. <laughs> it wasn't really a business. It was just a sort of side hack and it was, um, yeah, it was great. And that was the start of it. That was the start, yeah. Okay. Well, I'd like to take you all the way back to your very first leadership role. Mm-hmm. You know, give the listeners a bit of context around what that was. Yeah, does it have to be business-related or can I can I put it into a sporting context? Take take go to sport. Great. I'm happy with sport. Because if you're going to go right back, I mean, the first time I really experienced leadership was when I did martial arts. So I, I um, you know, I'm a bit of a just suck it and see and go and give it a go. And I decided that I did martial arts in school and then um, when I became an adult, I thought, I'm going to get back into it. So I just drove around and went to different places and walked in this dojo in West Heidelberg, which is a really rough area of Melbourne. <laughs> so this guy with tats and he looked like a bikey and I'm like, I want to sign up. Anyway, worked with him for a while and, and uh, got into this style and did it for many years, became a black belt, but then I was teaching. And I really found my passion was actually teaching more than doing I love being a practitioner, but I just found the teaching so rewarding. Um, and it was interesting because I was probably, I don't know, 25 or something like that. I've uh, been doing martial arts for, for five years. And I, I outgrew the head instructor's class in six months. So while my class was bigger than anybody's class, um, and people just gravitated to my style, you know, and I, I had lots of kids and I had their parents, like I had all age groups, and I, I loved it. And, and I think that this is the thing, is that um, the, the leadership that I had was, was because of my passion. I believed in what we did. I really enjoyed the process of working with the people, um, and I looked at the results. So I actually was at university at the same time studying part-time, and I actually did a research project where I surveyed the parents about their children's behaviour and school grades after, before or after doing martial arts. So how long we doing martial arts and what was the impact on their on their kids' results? And it was remarkable, the changes in these kids, because we were in, like, the northern suburbs during the rough years, and, and there was this overwhelming positive response to the discipline, to the physical activity and the behavioural things. And I went, wow, that's that to me is personal leadership. That's... That's helping people to be better is kind of what it's all about. And I've tried to bring that in my business career so I've, so I've led people. And do you think that those kids responded that way because you took them away from the, the textbooks and you gave them something they could focus in on, something they were actually interested in doing? Um, I think it was a couple of things. The, the main things that came out of it for me was, and the main, you know, we didn't have any big tough kids. Big tough kids don't do martial arts. Little kids who are scared do martial arts. You know, I'm not, I'm not a big guy. I'm five foot eight. Um, you know, I'm, I'm fairly stocky, um, and I could fight. But I, I, you know, when the kids started to become six foot five and and you know, full taller than me, 
um, you know, I'm like, shit, I've got to learn how to fight because not just me, but I've got to defend people, kids who wouldn't stand up because I used to stand up to bullies at school. And, um, and so what I found is that the kids who were timid and shy and going to school feeling scared couldn't perform. They're just not in the right headspace. And so with giving them some physical confidence of safety, they could then apply themselves more. And then with the, you know, we, we taught discipline. Like I was very, we mucked around and had lots of fun, but I was very strict. And I believe that they needed that structure. They probably weren't getting it at home. Um, and they enjoyed it. Like they, they resist it and then they start to enjoy it. It's, it's like any sort of like doing routine exercise. Um, and so the physical benefits and the discipline, but then also the confidence. The confidence is the key. Without that, you know, they didn't. They they couldn't. You know, be successful. So. And how long were you doing that for? Uh, I taught for about three years, um, and then my uni got to. I moved from doing a small degree to a big degree and a masters and another masters and kind of took over my life for a while. So, <laughs> but I, you know, I was approaching getting married that sort of year, and I had to go and earn some money. So. Okay. Yeah. And so, what about your uh, moving into a, a business context for a leadership role? What was probably the most significant leadership role you think you've had before the one you've got now? Yeah, look, um, I was thinking about this prior, and there and there's a couple that sort of stood out. Right? There was one at Hewlett Packard which I really enjoyed um, when I uh, went from a, a small team to a, a big global team. Um, and during that time, I. I'd, I'd had some ups and downs in my, my career. Like I took a job that I didn't really like, I didn't enjoy, and just I didn't like the leaders, to be honest. I didn't trust them, they didn't look after me. And, and I got out of that into another role where the, the my boss was in California, in, sorry, Denver, Colorado at the time, and we were a big global team and we run projects. And, and I had to stand out amongst that. I was running all of Asia. So I had to lead the Asian team, which is not easy to do when you've got, you know, so the American people have been leading all Americans. They all speak English for a start. You know, different time zones, but not as I had to go to Japan and Korea and China and you know Singapore and Thailand and and get these people on board with my process. Um, and and the thing is, the interesting thing about that role was, you know, they no no one reported to me, so it was it wasn't structural leadership. It was all influential leadership. And what I found was that you know I think humbleness precedes leadership. So I didn't go there and say, you know, I'm the global lead for digital in this space and you should do what I tell you to do. I went to their boardroom, sat in their office, met their people and said, look, this is what's working for us and it'd be great. You know, you tell me what's working for you and I'll see how I can help you. And they and they just resonated with that. And there's a lot of time, effort and energy at the start, but geez, I built loyalty. You know, we, we then went on to run um, uh, the first Asia Pacific conference in this space that we'd ever done. People said it was impossible to do. Uh, and I led that initiative and we had 700 people from all over Asia fly into Sydney for this big event that we did, which filled out our national, you know, it was a European, American, now an Asian event. We ran that for a couple of years and that was super successful. But that I couldn't have got that unless I went to places like Korea and, and my contact there then brought 50 people from Korea's clients over to my conference. Right? So, so without that sort of... You know, what I that's true leadership in my mind is when people follow you, not do what you say because you're the boss. Yeah. And would that would you say that's the biggest learning that you took away from that that stint is that you know you want people to follow you because they want to, yeah, not because they have to. Yeah, look, I, I, I had then um, had a more people management role at Census where I managed a team ranging from sort of you know five to 
16, 17 people, um, depending on the day, uh, and that was direct reports and had sub-reports. And what I found from that was it was easier when they report to you because, you know, they want their bonus, they want a pay rise, so, you know, they, they want to please you. So it's easier than when they have to choose to follow you, right? But the learnings of doing that first meant that, you know, I, I sort of had some skills in that area. Um, to be honest, one of the things that I found, um, which is different than today that I learned about leadership is when I was managing a team, I, I had the highest ratings of any boss in the, in the entire company. It was a billion dollar company and I had a small team. Um, you know, my sort of net promoter scores for management or whatever were, were far superior to anyone else. But, but that, that people might say, oh, therefore I was a great leader, but, but what I did is I actually took advantage of the system. So I made sure my employees were the most looked after. And, and you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I gave them the funnest work. I, you know, like we did these parties and those sorts of things because I could, and they produced results, but I could have done a boring campaign or I could have done an interesting campaign, right? So, so they loved working for me, but, you know, I had all the resources in the world. And that, and that's, you know, it kind of cheats the numbers in a way. I mean, then again, so did every other manager in the place and, and they didn't. But, but I had a belief that, you know, people, if you look after them, they look after you. And, and I had one example of a guy, I just want to tell you about it, because it was an extraordinary result. So uh, his name's David. Um, so if you listen to Trigard, uh, this is about you. <laughs> so, so he came to me. He was, he was reporting to someone reporting to me. And then that person got retrenched. So therefore, he was now reporting to me. And at the time, he was just about to be exited out of the business. Right. His performance was poor. Um, he was unengaged and not producing a result. And I just said to him, why? What's going on? And he goes, you know, the boss who's now left um, wouldn't let me do anything. You know, micromanaged me. I was doing boring stuff. You know, I couldn't really show, show and so I became disengaged. And, you know, it, these stakeholders were, were hassling me and I didn't know what to do. And he was only like 24. And, and I said, well, what do you want to do? And he goes, well, I'm really interested in digital. You know, I really want to do tech. And I go, okay. And, and so I figured out his personality style is what he loved to do. And I just got him to do it because we were in the tech team. We were doing digital. Um, and in two years, he was my best performing employee. He was winning awards. He was my go-to man for everything because he put his hand up to volunteer for anything in that space. Um, tireless worker. Like, and I started, so I should start with him. He was, him and I came up with the ideas, right? And started this business while we were at Census. Launched a beer app, did a whole bunch of cool stuff just for fun, um, and and he was just a he's a remarkable guy. And now he he was like doing crazy digital stuff at Iselect, and now he's working for a big international bank and head of some of the digital department. The guy's an absolute superstar. But back then, in the wrong position, with no one listening to him, being smothered, failure. I reckon you just with just. 90% of people, I don't know if it's more, if you just listen to them and unlock their potential, then they they can flourish. And and I just see that that's what leadership is. It's not, you know, I didn't do anything that remarkable. I just listened to him and put him in the right spot. <laughs> and, and I had to exit some people who weren't performing and they went to other businesses and then they flourished because they just were in the wrong spot. And I go, that's the chess, you know, moving piece of, and that's what I think leadership is. It's understanding people and just helping them to get where they want to go. And they'll give you the rewards. So what do you think about that? Do you agree? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. If you have someone who's in the wrong role, doesn't matter how good a leader you are, they're not going to perform. They're not going to, and they could be great, yeah. but they're just doing the wrong thing. Yeah. Yeah. So how long were you doing that? 
Uh, I was at Census for about over four years. Okay. And, um, and we were leading the, the digital transformation of Census. So they were early pages. And we were, I was creating all the digital products that now. The websites, the SEO, SEM, um, we did the maps, which, you know, is actually still behind Apple and Google Maps. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we had, and it was interesting, I had UBD Street directories, I had Where Is Maps, I had, you know, um, a Deal of the Day website, I had, you know, I worked on um, a Voice Call 1234, Green Sock Puppet. Now, I mean, my marketing budget at the end was $10 million. You know, we, we were doing TVCs, billboards, radio, print, you know, and digital. And that was when digital started. Now, I actually ran a digital agency with incenses that managed AFL, NRL, V8 supercars, um, and all the Telstra assets. So I was, I had 10 divisions. It was, it was crazy. But it was so much fun, right? Yeah. It was awesome. You know, but you only get those, you know, I was in the right place at the right time. And, because I had the right skills, then I just got poached everywhere. I was in demand. You know, Do you miss that type of having that type of budget and doing all that stuff? Because yeah. you're in a small business. Yeah, that's the look. That is the the only rub I think for me is that look. I don't actually miss it, but I I like playing a big game. You know, I like trying to influence <coughs> lots of people and and work on a big stage and you know and that's why I do a podcast and I've written a book and you know that's why I like working with some big clients, but. But the thing is for me, you know, that's all exciting and interesting, but it's not as meaningful as changing one person's life. And and to be honest, that's why I'm doing it, is that if I can help one business owner um, or one one employee who hates his job, you know, I was fortunate, I had mostly great jobs, I was lucky, um, but there's a lot of people who don't. I see these people and they're just dead inside because they've been doing the shit job for 10 years and they hate it. And it's not that they're shit people. They're just in the wrong job. So this is the leadership thing again, right? Yeah. I see it and I, and I know how to understand them and go, man, you're just in the wrong place. If you just move over here in the sunlight a bit, you know, give you a bit of water, you grow. And what I do is I either get them into a different job or I get them into their own business. And you should see the change. I mean, people light up and that's, that's the reward. I do paid once in a while too, but, <laughs> but the reward is of not working big, big you know, big programs because it was all fun working with celebrities. It was all fun traveling around the world, which I did for many years. And and that was that was nice, but it, it lacked meaning, you know. I can imagine these like movie stars and whatever when they get famous and they go, Oh, it's amazing and they go, but you know what, it's not nurturing like having a family. Yeah. You know, it's just not. And I think that most people at the end of their career or when they reach certain heights go back to the Maslow hierarchy of needs and go to self-actualization, what is the purpose, what's the meaning, um, and, and just want to help people. And then how do you help people? Well, I, I'm a business guy, I'm in marketing, I know digital, personal branding was the, the natural fit for me. Um, and I love it, and it's, it's rewarding. I, I got a text message on Sunday morning from a client who just had this massive opportunity. He goes, I wouldn't have got it without you. And I'm like, man, that's what it's about. That's yeah, <laughs> great. All right, so I want to... Move now to the present day, and I want to take a slightly different spin than what I've done in the previous episodes. And the reason being, I think that there's a lot of value you could add to to the listener group. So the listener group is at the moment predominantly going to be people that are in leadership roles versus ownership roles. Yeah. And one of the things that I often talk to them about in the programs that I run is this idea of personal brand and you've got one whether you like it or not. You yeah. might as well try to be in control of it. 100%. So, what, my <laughs> yeah. so what 
what can you what can you share? What can you where would you suggest these leaders start? Some of them might be at frontline level, some of them might be middle managers. Yeah. But I've always encouraged them to, you know, not let their level of ambition be hit a ceiling. Mm. So if they want to take control of it or they want to want to reach out to you, where where do you take them? Yeah, cool, cool. Um, I mean, this this is what Social Start does is, is personal brand management. And where where I start and, and I'll give you just a two minute synopsis of my background so you understand the context of, of how we're different. So there's a lot of people in personal branding and they'll do slightly different things. Some, some people tell you what clothes to wear. Some people will just tell you how to do LinkedIn to get leads. I, I take a bit of a different approach and it's really important to me that we, we, we are different because this comes to the essence of why I start my business because it's a reflection of what I believe in. You know, this is not just a business to make money. This is core fundamental of how I think, you know, um, I can add value to the world. So I grew up with a mum who was a hippie. Right, she rejects the term, but you know she's a hippie. <laughs> you know, we grew around food. We, you know, we went to communes. My mum was a, you know, a yoga teacher. We went to ashrams. That's a hippie. You know, that that's a hippie, right? Yeah, yeah that's a free love. It was a whole yeah. '60s thing, right? Um, super smart, super genuine person, but very much into health and spirituality, far more than any of the practical things, which was which was interesting. Growing up as a kid, you just you don't know. You just it just is. And then you get to, you know, my grandparents had money and so they sent me to a private school. So I was the poorest kid at a rich private school with a mum, you know, no dad, with a mum that used to have a, you know, dress in a swami outfit with a dot no pocket, right? So a little bit different to the, to the norm. But what it exposed me to is, you know, I did NLP 30 years ago. Before, you know, Richard Vandler started it. I did it with the people who learned from him. Wow. You know, I, I did, you know, accelerated learning back then. I did... You know, meta, we talked about metaphysics at the dinner table. We we were doing like all that stuff that people are doing now, and I did it when I was a kid, right? So I was kind of fortunate to have this upbringing, and and I was exposed to a whole bunch of different teachings and and just a very very different way of thinking. But I rejected that as you do when you're a teenager and you go, Mom, I just want to eat white bread and make money and wear a suit, you know. <laughs> and so and so I I I went and you know did three degrees and an MBA and a master of entrepreneurship and. Got a big corporate job at Hewlett Packard and flew around the world and bought a house with literally a white picket fence and had my 2.4 children. And I went through that process and then I was like, but this is kind of not me and I'm not happy because I've rejected all of that, those elements to go for all these other elements. And then I went, shit, well, what's it about? Got my first tattoo, bang. And then, and realized that, that, you know, I'm somewhere in the middle. I'm a balance of all these things. And so what I do with people is is I want to, help them understand themselves first. Leadership is not an external thing, it's an internal thing. And you have to understand what your leadership position is. One of my favorite leaders is Abraham Lincoln, right? You know, decide where you're gonna plant your feet and then stand firm, right? I help people to decide where to stand. So if you're gonna be a leader, what's your position? What do you believe in? What are you leading about, right? Leaders are not wishy-washy, that's, the, that's what leadership is. I believe in this and I don't believe in that and we're going this way and we're not going that way. It's that certainty, right? Certainty sells. Certainty is what followers follow. So I, I get them through that. I take them through a refined process using four different, you know, it's all on my, you know, um, social state university in the process, four steps to understand themselves and then and only then can we go and build a profile around that. And what I find is that most people who do what I do miss that step. And so they just go to the leader and go, what do you want to talk about? And they'll go, this, this, and this. And they'll go, yeah, okay, whatever. 
And I go, no, 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 unless I believe it and I fully feel that this is really their true calling or their true story, I won't build a profile because it's not just marketing. This is, this is going to be their brand forever, you know, or their, their business career. So we do that really well. Then we go and we build their process. And, you know, I was a digital marketer for 15 years. You know, I know every trick. So we did personal SEO and get them on the front page of Google. We made their LinkedIn profile rock. You know, we, we help them with all the other social media channels. I mean, I used to have 100,000 people on Twitter and blah, blah, blah. And, and so we do all the digital bits that people do. Take your photo, but we do it in a particular way. And we don't do it so that people can be found for their product. Now, we talked a little bit about before that you want to be find, found for leadership. And I go, that's so competitive. Mm-hmm. There must be gazillions of people under that. Absolutely. I want you to be found for you. Mm-hmm. I want people to seek out you and get referrals for you because you have a remarkable story. What you're sharing is very different. And only by being different, specific, and unique, which is part one, can you stand out online because it's just too noisy. People can always outspend you or out SEO you and, you know, it's just a fight to the bottom. And I believe that if we make you remarkable, like an Elon Musk who is just completely unique, mm. you know, then that is what people seek and therefore you will be, you know, you get referrals, which is a far cheaper, easier way to actually run a business. And then the third part is we actually do sales and marketing techniques. So we build digital, we do sales and marketing, and that area is really about well, who are you talking to, how are you going to connect with them, how are you going to lead them down the funnel. You know, all very proper sales processes, but in an authentic way based on you know your uniqueness. And and this is just the other, this is my life. You know, I started off a hippie, and then I went you know did digital marketing, and then I was a salesperson for a long time. And I go put them all together because in corporate you have three divisions to do all this stuff. Or many you know it, when you're running your own business by yourself, you could do all, of them, and people don't know how to do it. So I, I take them through that process and, and they get the outcome. They don't have to understand every bit in depth. Mm. They just get to run. You know, they, uh, they don't have to learn how to build a car. They just have to drive it there. Yeah. And so would, would that apply to the, the, the frontline leader who is working somewhere? Absolutely. And has decided that they, 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 they want to play a higher game. Yeah. They want to climb a corporate ladder. I deal with, I deal with heaps of leaders. Heaps. In companies, I just dealt with the CEO of an AFL club. I'm dealing with, um, you know, a sales leader from one of the biggest IT companies and, you know, flies around the world. Um, I deal with lots of internal leaders and there is no difference between an internal leader and an external leader in terms of communication and the process because if you want to be stand out as a leader, you've got to have followers. You've got to lead. And, and you can't just rely on physical networking anymore. It's just too, um, too slow. And it's too arduous. So there's only so many coffees you can have. I mean, I mean, when I grew, you know, when I was at Hewlett Packard, in six years I went from, you know, a salesperson in Melbourne selling, selling toner cartridges to being the global Asia Pacific lead for, for digital. And, and I did that because people found out what I did, and they found out because I shared it online, and I was, I had a, a persona, right? I had a public brand. I was the go-to guy for this, and that's within a company, right? And so people within companies, if you want to stand out as a leader, and there'll be lots of leads and managers there, then you've got to start creating that persona. But it can't be like everyone else because it's like everyone else is boring, right? You've got to craft out what is your uniqueness. And, and it is a little bit of, of you know, some people are not going to like it. 
But isn't that what leadership is? You know, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so that is just developing resilience. Because if you're going to be a CEO, you're not going to be popular all the time. No. It's not about love. It's, you know, I mean, we want appreciation for for doing a good job. But we've got to push. You know, we've got to lead. And we've got to make hard choices, and we have to, you know, make a call sometimes. It's unpopular in the short term. Generally, in the long term, people understand. <laughs> so, so that's my version of doing it. And and I work with probably half people who are inside companies and then half you know people outside companies do you come across tall poppy syndrome at all people having that fear that oh geez if i jazz up my linkedin profile and i start you know putting out anything that they're oh it's the number one question i get it's the number one i teach at rmit in the mba course right so every mba that goes through rmit goes through my process um or, or has a you know um a lecture from me about this and and it's someone always asks me that and I go, it's not about you. It's not about you, right? You are providing an opinion and providing information for the rest. It's about the idea, right? It's about the leadership angle. It's not about you yourself. You're just the vehicle for the information, right? You're shining light on something else. And it's far better when you're shining light back on your team or the company or the customer. And that's what we try and do. So even though that we are the person in the spotlight, you know, it's not about us and our ego, right? It's about our ideas, but those are ideas that are there to help other people. So we, we deal with quite a few charities. And so when we've dealt with those people, that the humblest people, you know, are the leaders of charities because it's really not about them. I mean, it is literally life or death for the people that they're serving, right? So them having a big ego is nothing to do with it. And they resist it the most. But when we show them that, you are helping those people more by building your brand in the media, by writing a book, by doing a podcast, by mixing with people who are influential. They get it because they see the result for the community they're helping. Right? True. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if you if you are a good leader and you want to help the people you, that are working for you, be more prominent. You, you're going to get more resources for your team. You know, they're going to get more opportunities because you're doing a better job of leading. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What's the biggest leadership myth that you think exists at the moment? Uh, I think it's probably control. Um, you know, you just can't control things. People people think that if you're the boss, you can make stuff happen or that, you know, but, but you're always reacting to the environment and, and you're going to make poor decisions, right? But you've got to make poor decisions with certainty. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if, if you're going to... Any decision is better than no decision. Yeah, if you're going to fuck it up, fuck it up royally, right? You know, it's, it's like a, it's like if you're in the army, you know, you're going to storm that hill. You can't go, actually, maybe, what do you think? I think do you think we should go over there? You know, <laughs> no, you're going to storm the hill whether you think it's right or not based on the information you've got. And and it's interesting because my team that I have, you know, I've got sort of, you know, eight or so people, um, and, and sometimes... You know, when, when I talk with certain, they go, oh, that's just, the, that's how it is. And I go, I just made up how it is. I just said it was certainty, so you believe that it's real. But that's how everything is created, right? Everybody who has who made a position about something, you know, what's right or wrong? Is democracy right or is communism right? Well, it's just someone's opinion, really. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they've said it with such certainty that you believe it, Right. You know, so so we have to have that trust in leaders because we can't know everything. And and leadership's, you know, it, it's it's made in a vacuum. You know, you don't know any everything. You've just got to assemble it as best you can and make the best bet. And you know, it's this illusion of control. Of, you know, you're controlling it. 
by your certainty. <laughs> so how do you describe yourself as a leader? Um, yeah, it's a good question, self-reflection. So I think that I am um, uh, probably too much of a caring leader at the moment. So I, because I genuinely, you know, care for people, that isn't necessarily the best thing for people. Going back to the martial arts, right? The kids that I helped after, you know, the session would play, we'd muck around and they love hanging out with me and that because I have kids. However, during the session, I was super disciplined. And, and if you're not disciplined enough and push people, they don't get their personal rewards. If you make it easy for them, oh, it's all right, yeah, oh, you did a great job and they didn't really do a great job, they feel good then, but they feel bad later, right? And I think that, you know, in terms of my leadership, I need to be stronger and more, more um, disciplined and hard on people because that's a reward. Like that's, you know, I'm not pushing them enough and, you know, you've got to, you've got to have enough stick and not just the carrot. And I'm, and I'm probably using too much of the carrot at the moment, whereas I needed probably a bit more stick. So if you're an employee listening to my podcast, you <laughs> yeah, know what's Watch out. <laughs> what do you think? What do you think your leadership rate is? Uh, it, it could actually be a little similar in yeah. some ways. I'm a big believer in, you know, trying to bring the most out of my team mm. and doing everything I can. Uh, and I, I move at a very fast pace. And I think I need to sometimes remember that not everyone is either comfortable and moving at my pace mm. or can actually move at my pace, whereas I want things done now and I want answers now and I want it all yesterday. Yeah. That's because that's the way I think. I don't know if my team are necessarily, uh, if, 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 if it's fair to expect that yeah. from my team. I mean, I mean there's, I'm a bit the same. So I'm very caring, but I'm, you know, I expect you know, a lot. Um, and I've got a couple of principles that I use in, in for our team to build the team culture. So one of them is resourcefulness. So sometimes I'll just write resourcefulness in an email or a message when they're like, oh, how do you do this? And I'm like, resourcefulness. <laughs> Did you look it up online? Did you try and figure it out yourself before you asked me? Like, you know, because that, that is training them to figure it out for themselves. Because if they always have to ask me, then they're always going to have to ask me, right? You know, resilience is another one. You know, so something bad happens. Yep, you did a poor job, and I'm going to tell you that you did a poor job. You got to pick it up, and you got to get better at it. You know, and I probably don't do that enough in terms of you know setting that clear expectation of excellence. Um, but I'm really bringing that in in the last sort of month um, because you know I want to be the best at this. You know, I really care deeply about what we do. I want to be the best. You know, and I've dealt with billionaires. I literally have dealt with billionaires, and I go, you know, they demand the best. And I want to be up there doing that sort of work. I want to be advising presidents on their brand, you know, yeah, yeah. because because I feel like, you know, we, we've got a really great system and, you know, to get where we want to go, we're all going to do a great job, not just me. You know, everybody has to do a remarkable job. And I've got some talent, mate. I've got some huge talent in the team. I'm amazed why they can work for me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because they could go work for a big company, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but they probably feel the same as I do is that, you know, here we're really making change, you know, not just selling more services, which is what I used to do. Any particular methodologies, frameworks, models that you use from a leadership perspective? Um, it's, look, I've done a lot of study. I mean, because I did an MBA and then I pivoted to a massive entrepreneurship, I mean, that was, God, eight, nine years of management study, you know, part-time. And, and so I, I came across a lot. And, you know, I mean, one of the, the things that I actually use regularly 
um, apart from Maslow's hierarchy, which is <laughs> what it is, um, is probably the team, team dynamics. So we went from two people to eight people in the space of two months. Um, and I said to people, you know, we're going through the, the, the forming, norming, storming, performing model, um, and, and we're just starting to keep performing. So recognize that we're going to have conflict. And this is just part, this is a normal part of the process. You know, the other one I use is, you know, sort of iterative learning. So when they go, things are changing, and I go, yeah, that's, that's, I purposely do new things all the time because gone are the days when I can sit down for three months and write a business plan and then see if that works. You know, I, I, I come across an opportunity, I make a quick decision, sounds like you do this. Yep. I, I, I trial it, I fail fast or I learn fast, and then I, you know, put that into the model or I don't and I move on. You know, and, and so I, you know, I shared with you earlier, um, you know, sales is super critical to business. Um, I met a guy at an event two weeks ago. He, he, I was pitching, right? A pitch night, they invited me to pitch. I went and didn't because I teach pitching. Um, and this guy came in after me and I was like, he's a cool guy. I really like him. So we started chatting and he goes, I'm a sales guy. And he just had some spare capacity. And I said, I've got heaps of leads that I'm not following up because, you know, I've got a book and got all these leads from my website. Cool. Let's do a trial. Did three days, rang a whole bunch of leads, you know, da 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 da. Didn't work out just because different processes for our different products. Um, but I learned. And my team's like, oh, that all just happened so fast. I'm like, yeah. I saw an opportunity, I trialed it, it didn't work, I moved on. If it did work, I would have instituted it as a process and a system and told you all about it. But I think all businesses have to do that. You know, I mean, I'll have an idea for a product and I'll pitch it that day. And if I sell it, it might become a product. That's so quick I work, isn't it? I mean, you have to win this small business. I mean, digital looks fast, man. It's changing. It's changing. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Is there any other you'd recommend? Oh, we I train, mean, there's a thousand of yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we train so many. Uh, but there's one that's uh, I've come across from two different angles recently. One is a result of interviewing someone with a podcast, and another one is a body of work we're doing with one of our clients. And it's this whole idea of levels of work. Mm -hmm. and really understanding what work you should be doing dependent on your role in the business in hierarchy mm -hmm. and also how long you've been in the business. So I think it lends itself very much to that reflection of delegation. And thinking, yeah. Should I really be doing that or should I be focusing on the opportunities and the design thinking and all that yeah. or am I still doing some of the yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know how I do that because I work with my clients on this a little bit, um, particularly when they're starting a business, to, to get them into what they should be doing and away from what they shouldn't be doing. Um, and so we, we, we examine their personality and we use a particular test called the Roger Hamilton Wealth Dynamics Test. Okay. Seen the ads on Facebook. Yeah, it's a bit it's a bit left of field going back to my hippie roots because it's not it's not a traditional, you know, um, uh, what's the ESTJ um, uh, Myers Briggs and DISC and, and DISC and all those, right? And I, I did all of those yeah. when I was in corporate and I, I used to eat them up, right? I was always doing leadership courses. And you know, Myers Briggs was interesting, but you know, I still really can't. I'm an ESTJ, and I can't really tell you what that is. <laughs> you know what I mean? I kind of know that I'm extroverted, you know, and and but you know, the rest of it, I kind of can't. I can't clearly articulate to you. With the Roger Hamilton one, similar thing. It's based on half on psychological principles, you know, sort of Freudian psychology, and the other half is based on Eastern religion, or or not Eastern religion, Eastern um, I Ching philosophy, ancient Chinese stuff. Because the guy Roger Hamilton is actually half Asian, half Western. Right, ta-da. And so, you know, I find it really interesting because it's kind of my mixed beliefs as well. But what it tells me is what gets me into 
the best out of flow. So when, where do I hit peak performance when I do these particular activities? And so I know I'm a creator. So my best role in this business is to create new stuff. I need constant change. I like it. Doesn't mean my staff like it because if they're in the opposite and they like stability, I hate that, right? But so what my role is to work with new clients all the time, run workshops, do trainings, teach, create new assets like eBooks. That's what I love the most and I should do that. And I should outsource everything else, which is what I'm trying to do, right? So, but I know exactly where I'm good at and where I perform best because if you love it, you'll do it more, mm. right? And and that's all I try and get people to do is I go, when you find the bit that you, you really like to do, and, you know, we're talking about doing our accounts and how many of us want to do that, you've got to outsource it because it brings your energy down. You know, you, you hate to go to work if you have to do that all day. Yeah. So all I want to find is where's your passion point? What's your hate? I, I go through your love list and your hate list. And I go, what do you love to do? What do you hate to do? Go, I hate this and you find someone else to do it. It's <laughs> not that hard. If people don't do it, they're like, oh, no, no, I've got to, I've got to do it. No, you don't. You don't. <laughs> In fact, if you do, you'll fail because <laughs> you'll start to hate to go to work every day, right? So leaders, you know, how is your leadership style different from others? Because if any personality, you know, you can be an introvert, you can be an extrovert, you can be a supporter, you can be a... doesn't matter. Anyone, any personality style can be a leader, but it's different. So if you try and emulate someone else, it ain't going to work unless they're your style. So anyway, so we do that first. So I use that a lot. Any leaders that you look up to or that inspire you? Yeah, I used to I used to love Steve Jobs. I don't I never used to love Apple that much, even though it looks like an Apple store exploded on my desk here. But um, the the thing about I didn't like about Steve Jobs, I mean, he was, he was you know an, an amazing um, worker, creative thinker. You know what I appreciated about his leadership was he was just so decisive, and and he, and he just his quest for excellence was extraordinary. But what I found, what I've been you know, reading his book, and you know, I mean, I don't, I don't know what I read, but you know, he, he was an asshole and and nasty to people, and not just to, to motivate them, but just because he said like he was nasty sometimes. And I just, I just don't believe that, you know, that is the best way. So, so you know, Elon Musk is is a personal favourite because he's similar but different in a way that he's just got a bit more EQ and a bit more. Yeah, he's probably on the spectrum still like Steve Jobs, but he's, you know, but he's, he's determined and he's, you know, he never gives up um, and he drives the team, but he drives the team to a common outcome and, and for the betterment of all and he rewards them, you know, and I and I see that as a, a very positive trait. Um, we can't all be like him, to be honest. So, you know, I do look at the early American presidents and I'm, I'm fascinated with them. Um, I, I, you know, I don't have many in Australia that I that I can resonate with as much. Yeah, not completely. Um, not not, sure. not recently. Um, and, and, you know, I just, to be honest, I don't think there's many leaders out there. There's, there's really not many people who will, you know, fight for their beliefs. So so the reason I like uh, Abraham Lincoln is, I mean, you know, would you kill a million people over a, a difference of opinion? I mean, he's felt so strongly about slavery and people's rights that he started a war with his own people and killed a million people. And I go, that's a pretty strong belief. I mean, that's a, that's a you know, I, I mean, I always think about Australia in this context and I go, imagine Victoria was doing something or Queensland was doing something Victoria didn't like, right? We'd be right. We're going to go up and change you. We're going to march into town and we're going to make you change your mind. We'd, we'd march up and then we'd get to Byron Bay and go, shit, it's a nice day. <laughs> Let's just stop here for a bit of a surf and, and, and you know, we're too lazy. We're not, we're not passionate enough. 
you're too worried about whatever people think. And so I think true leadership is very hard to find. You know, I mean, Elon Musk went against everybody to start his business, but he was freaking right. You know, I go, only history shows you right. Early on, everyone thinks you're wrong. And to me, that's kind of a definition of leadership in a way. So where can people find out more about you and Social Star? Where should they go? What should they look for? Um, it depends what they want. So, look, I, I share a lot of my personal views um, on my website, so andrewford.com.au. That's, that's where my, my podcast is there and also my blog. That's more my personal blog. Um, on socialstar.com.au, we have our, our business blog, so more about the tips and tricks of personal branding and digital. Um, they can just read out to me. LinkedIn's probably a good spot. I'm, I'm pretty easy to find there. Um, you know, I'm on Twitter or on Facebook, but, you know, I, pr- I pretty much use LinkedIn as the main one. Um, and I just like having conversations with people. So, you know, I'm a very chatty guy, as you can tell. You've got to check it out. And, um, and, I, and my, my biggest passion is just meeting new people and, and figuring out what they're doing themselves, you know. Um, so if people want to talk to me about that, I'd love to, love to do that. Okay. And any last words on leadership? Um, look, I think that everyone has their leadership to a degree. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not going to start a war and, you know, espouse my beliefs that are, that are so out there. You know, I don't think I really have them that much. Um, I just feel that I'm passionate about my little corner of the world and, and I think that everybody just needs that, you know. We're, and, and leadership to me is not just something in the office. You know, you take it home. I've got two young boys and, and I'm trying to demonstrate leadership by the things that I do, not what I say. Um, and that's another reason why I want to run a a great business because I want to show them that you can build something and and be authentic and you know not crawl over people to be successful you know because because they they pick all this stuff up I mean your kids pick it up your friends pick it up your family knows you know it's it's the legacy you want to leave behind so I just want to be remembered as someone who was who helped people be authentic and and helped you know and kind of made a stand for something you know authentic kind of business owners is what I like um, and that's what I think leadership is about. Well, thank you so much for being part of the podcast. All the best. Thanks for having me. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Synergy and Leadership Podcast. I trust you found it interesting. A couple of things. If you could go online and leave a review of the podcast, that would be great. Really help us in uh, spreading awareness of the podcast. Happy for you to connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm pretty easy to find. And if you want to shoot me through an email, julian at synergygroup.com.au. See you next time.